This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome! This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we're talking all about butter tarts. But before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. I know I've been critical, to put it lightly, of Canada as a quote-unquote nation in recent episodes, and I think rightly so, but at the end of the day, I really do love the food here a lot. So for today's episode, I thought it would be fun to talk about what some would argue is one of Canada's most famous and emblematic desserts, the butter tart. Now, if you've never had a butter tart before, it's a bit like a Quebecois sugar pie or an American pecan pie or pecan pie, I don't know how to pronounce it, but don't say that too loud or somebody will yell at you about it. Made most prominently in Ontario, the butter tart is a delicious pastry filled with sugar, egg, syrup, and you guessed it, butter, and then baked to give it a tasty crunchy top. Beyond that, these tarts vary way too much from recipe to recipe to really be able to give you a solid definition myself without ruffling a lot of feathers. I'll be the first to admit that I am not a baker. I would love to be a baker, it's just not something I felt confident enough to put time into yet, so I don't feel properly or adequately equipped to tackle these tarts by myself. The good news is, I'm not alone. I've brought in a guest who I would argue is actually maybe one of the most qualified people imaginable to talk about butter tarts. With any luck, by the end of this episode, you'll have a great understanding of the Canadian butter tart in all of its glory, and I might feel a little bit less overwhelmed by the prospect of trying to bake one myself. My guest on this week's show is the one, the only, Anna Olson. Anna is a professional pastry chef, award-winning cookbook author, and Food Network host who I literally grew up watching. You might have seen her on Fresh with Anna Olson, Bake with Anna Olson, or most recently as one of the hosts and judges of Junior Chef Showdown. Did I mention she's also an Iron Chef? Yeah, she's kind of a big deal. Anna, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of No Bad Food. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. It is a pleasure. And in case you hear any ambient noises like birds chirping, uh, I'm sitting outside because it's a bit warm inside my house right now. <laughs> I, uh, I am so jealous of the patio situation you've got going on there. We are in an apartment right now that doesn't have like 
good outdoor space. And every time I'm like, ah, oh, one day we'll move somewhere where I can do things outdoors and sit with my mm-hmm. laptop and hear the birds. So I'm going to live vicariously through you today. Okay. So yeah, I always like to get my guests to give us a bit of context about themselves at the start of the show. Uh, talk a little bit about their relationship with food, what they grew up eating, what they eat these days. So um, yeah, how about you paint us a picture of Anna Olson? Sure. I always did love food. Uh, it didn't find me as a career until, you know, full on into my adult life. But I grew up um, with a grandmother who loved to cook and bake. Uh, my mom will profess that the baking gene especially skipped a generation. <laughs> <laughs> She's first to admit that. Yeah, but I, she, she makes a wicked peach pie, I have to say. I'll give my mom props there. But my grandmother had that baking spark, especially. She cooked delicious meals, uh, but baking was where all of a sudden you could see her transform and she would get so into it. And then as a little kid, and I think this is how a lot of uh, passionate home bakers are born, there's an influence. And so when you feel that positive energy and then that joy as a kid to witness chocolate cake being made, or in my background is Eastern European, I'm Slovak. So there, there's a whole lot of butter and sour cream sure, going on yeah. anyhow, <laughs> and double carbs. Um, but in, in terms of the dessert baking, it was elaborate things like walnut rolls and strudels and fancy cakes. And if you wanted to hang out with grandma, that meant you were in the kitchen. And if you were in the kitchen, that meant she put you to work. So I came about that love of it just it became it was a part of my life so much so that I didn't see it until later in life. So yeah, a degree in political science and sociology later, and a few mm, not unsuccessful but dispassionate years in the banking industry, sure. and then I made the switch. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can. I think you can link sociology and food pretty easily. I think that there's a there's a connection there. I hope I'm kind of studying that this fall, so I hope that there's a connection there. <laughs> Oh, I would say so, definitely. And let me <laughs> let me say the political uh, experience. A kitchen is definitely a political hot zone. <laughs> I can only imagine. It is not a democracy, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dictatorship. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, uh, it, it's funny. I I kind of similarly grew up. My uh, my family is Hungarian, Austrian, and uh, my grandma also, you know, very much an influence on me in the kitchen. My uh, Anytime we would hang out together, for me, it was schnitzel. It was going into the mm. kitchen with grandma to make some schnitzel, pounding out the, the pork and breading it and frying it. And, but the uh, the sort of baking side of it always eluded me a little bit. I was always really intimidated by baking. I was kind of like, I don't know, there, there was there's something for me, I think with because with baking, you can't taste as much on the go as you can with cooking. No, so I, true. I always get really psyched out by it. And that actually brings me to my next question for you, which is, do you have advice for people who are too psyched out to bake? Like, if I wanted to get started, what do you think is the sort of way to get over that? I would say, I think you've brought up a very interesting point, Tom. And I think my best bit of advice is, I think the, the big difference between cooking and baking is there is some an intuitive side to cooking and you can tweak as you go and is and witness what is happening as you are cooking baking you relinquish trust what you you have to trust the technique you have to trust the ingredients are going to behave the way they do so when you put them in the oven it comes out is it a spongy cake or is it a dense cake is it but you have to have a sense of trust and i think what you have to trust is the recipe because the guide is right there 
when I write recipes, I know I try and include a lot of visual cues mm -hmm. so that at every point I'm building confidence so that if you're even you're making, you're starting with creaming the butter and sugar, sometimes that can be fluffy. Sometimes it's granular. Describe that and right. then, and then also describe if your batter looks like scrambled eggs, this is how to fix it. So <laughs> start with those recipes that are, it, it, they may seem steppy for a simple recipe, but the more descriptors, then you'll build that confidence. And definitely when it comes to baking, the first try of a recipe is always it's rehearsal. Sure. Uh, because you don't know how right. it, you, you, hopefully you have a picture to look at, but you don't know how it's going to come out. And every step of your way is your your own personal learning opportunity so that the next time you make the recipe if you find it's fulfilling you know how you're going to make it either faster uh more attractive get your yields correct work with your wonky oven if you have one oh, but yep <laughs> yeah which mo everyone does everyone yeah. does ours is consistently about five degrees cooler than it's supposed to be no matter what temperature mm -hmm. we're cooking at so that's nice because it's consistent like i can just you know 425 well, is 430 you know um <laughs> but okay that makes sense yeah i guess it's it's the difference between trusting yourself and trusting the math i guess or the, mm -hmm. the sort of technique of yeah it. okay okay yeah because the ingredients aren't complicated <laughs> when you look at the ingredient repertoire mm -hmm. for baking it's a short list sure you've got your fat category you know your butter your oil you've got your sugars you've got your eggs you've got your flours, you've got your dairy ingredients, and then you've got some flavorings, but mm -hmm. really it's the combination. And once you get the hang of taking those same ingredients, but you mix them differently, you end up with a different result. Mm -hmm. you, you, you build a comfort. I'm yeah. confident you will. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think, uh, just thinking about those sort of elements of it, because I know every dish is different, right? Every, every baked good is gonna come at it from a different way, but do you think that there's one that sort of is a good starting place for a beginner? My instinct is to go for bread or something because bread dough is, you know, I just like bread, actually. I can't think of a real justification <laughs> for it beyond like, give me something I can put butter or cheese on. But like, do you think that there's like one thing that would be good to practice with and get a hang of? Um, well, there the different arms of baking are so distinct. Um, bread, while the simplest ingredients, flour, water, yeast, and salt, you've got the temperature um, and yeast combination to get that, that you really have to get a hang on. And, and that's definitely making bread is one of those things. You kind of have to give it a go for the right. first time, willing to potentially sacrifice if, it, if you, the best way to learn when you've overproofed dough is by overproofing dough right. <laughs> uh, because you go, Oh, I should have put it in the oven an hour ago. And now it's got big airy holes and it's, even though I just baked it, it's kind of stale tasting. Right. Um, you learn by experience. In the sweet side, you know, the simplest baking is is something as simple as chocolate chip cookies, because mm -hmm. that is, gives you a basic sense of what a dough or a batter is like, combining different ingredients and what they feel like. And because you do it by hand, mm -hmm. you're stirring it and you're feeling the texture of the dough. And in fact, that would be my bit of advice, Tom, is mm -hmm. regardless of what recipe you pick to start with, Mix it by hand okay. because you're feeling, then you're feeling the dough, you're feeling where you are at every step. And that's giving you, you're witnessing the experience. Okay, I like that. Yeah, because we, we have a KitchenAid mixer. My partner is great at baking, but had to cut out gluten a little while ago. So it doesn't mm -hmm. bake a whole lot anymore. And like I set a goal for myself this year before that even happened to 
get into baking in 2021 and i it's july and i have made biscuits oh that's good honestly you know for a for a kid in montreal my biscuits turned out pretty good so it could be worse but uh chocolate chip cookies okay i can see that and i think that the advice of doing it by hand really resonates with me because i um i make my own burger patties a lot and Mm -hmm. that sort of i hate touching raw beef but (laughs) once i've kind of got into it once i've passed the sort of threshold of oh you i don't like touching this it does kind of start to feel like i'm getting a sense of what this you know you you know when it's mixed properly even though like it doesn't necessarily look super different when it's not but you just sort of start to get a sense for it so that's cool that uh that will be helpful i think thank you well and and well that goes along the line it speaks to our grandparents Mm -hmm. uh our grandmother's cooking instructions of quite simply you mix it till it's right right and you cook it until it's done right (laughs) and we're just supposed to know and that's why those recipes are so secret and sacred (laughs) because that that part no matter how many times you watch unless you're in it you know they just know right. oh and my grandmother never measured anything okay she had handfuls of things she would pour things into her hand or she had this one universal broken teacup <laughs> that would just live in the flour bin and that was her measuring cup for everything i love that yeah we had a uh, my grandma had a broken handled measuring cup so it was still technically mm-hmm. a measuring cup but it was you know the the printed measurements on the side were worn off from years and years of use and the handle was broken and it was basically just a cup but she got it she figured it out she knew Hey, it's the Midroll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of July, I'll be donating $2 to Gender Creative Kids. Gender Creative Kids is an organization that aims to run workshops and community events for trans, non-binary, and gender creative youth, providing gender-affirming gear, educational tools, advocacy, and help for parents learning how to better adapt to their kids' changing needs. Having parents who are properly equipped and affirming of your gender identity is a really huge factor for improving the quality of life of trans kids, and you can learn more about what Gender Creative Kids is doing to help make that possible at the link in the description of this episode. Now that the show has been heavily focused on food for a while, I went back and noticed that most, if not all, of our existing Apple podcast reviews are pretty outdated and still talk about the show like it's a comedy podcast, and also still use he-him pronouns when talking about me. So if you've already left a review in the past, maybe take this opportunity to go update it, and I'll include that as a new review, even if it's technically just an update of an old one, because accurate reviews are a lot more helpful than outdated ones, and I use they-them pronouns now and sort of don't like it when people use he-him pronouns for me, so it would just kind of be a nice like courtesy thing for you to do, you know? Anyway, go do that. Leave a review. If you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where Simon Majumdar and I talked about blue cheese and the Netflix series High on the Hog, do yourself a favor and go cue that up to listen to after this one. While you're at it, if you want to hear me talk more about Canadian food writ large, I would highly recommend checking out my recent guest appearance on my friend Tung Law's podcast, Ranked, Top 5 Lists of Stuff That Don't Matter, where I shared some thoughts on the local eats that I think are most emblematic of our country, and also talked a whole lot about how colonialism is bad and Canada super doesn't have a right to exist. If you like your food shows with a side of political rambling, you will love that episode. I'll include links to both of those in the description of this for ease of access. All right, that's enough for me. Let's get back to my interview with Anna Olson. So so one of the specific reasons I called you up today was to talk about a very specific type of pastry, the butter tart. Um, I was doing a bit of research into this because uh, I grew up eating butter tarts, but I also, you know, have lived back and forth between the East Coast and the West Coast. And I, you know, have spent a lot of time in Ontario. And these days I'm primarily in Quebec and most of the time I'm in Quebec. And butter tarts aren't strictly a thing here because butter tarts as they are 
kind of vary from province to province a lot, uh, especially here in Quebec, where we mostly have sugar pies and fruit tarts. And, you know, sometimes you can get pecan or pecan or pecan or pecan or what, however you want to pronounce it. But the strictly speaking butter tart uh, is really hard to find here to the point where I like scoured my local grocery store and a bunch of bakeries this morning because my kid woke me up at six o'clock and tried to find any kind of tart and didn't. Um, so I just bought a pie instead and I regret nothing. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious what you think makes a butter tart like quintessentially like what's your like platonic ideal you know oh well t talk about getting political it is a hot <laughs> button topic put that poli side degree to use yeah i baked a dozen butter tarts so i have them to sort of look at and mm. inspire me um but i agree the tartar sucre is my my good friends from uh, montreal have brought their particular favorites right. and a number of friends have each brought a different style of Tato Sucre, but they right. said, this is the real one. Um, so I know those are just as personal. Mm -hmm. um, and they're in the, that same family where the Tato Sucre relies on maple syrup. Mm -hmm. And the I think butter tarts origins are in Ontario. And mm -hmm. so that's why they are ubiquitous here. Um, <laughs> and I can't imagine anyone. Well, I used to, when I, I had bakeries, we would sell out of them at the end of the day. Right. And there's something, it, it defies logic, but a hot summer day and a butter tart do not seem to go together. Like why would eating something sweeter than anything you could imagine suit on a hot summer day? But that's that's the truth. When you, when you look at the origins of the butter tart, you've got um, the, the pastry would have been a lard-based pastry. Okay. Where doing a butter pastry or shortening, you, you just make a classic pie dough right now for a butter tart, mm -hmm. uh, where the lard-based pastry is almost more in that um, English pie um if you think of the the denser texture of a meat pie right uh, pastry it's got that density because of the lard in it and mm. it gives it, it you won't find it's flaky it's granular right um and rolled quite thick so i have to admit i prefer i'm a butter girl sure so i prefer the butter pastry uh and i like that when you're lining I, what i think really works with the butter tart is when you line your muffin tin you cut out your circle of your pastry after you've rolled it out, but you have to have the little loops and scallops of the pastry so that that syrup filling nestles in between them. Okay. And so you have portions where it caramelizes and becomes thicker, but you need that goopy center. Right. Um, and the older ones were made with corn syrup. Okay. And some people still swear by corn syrup. Uh, I like the maple syrup, and I think that relates to the sugar pie mm -hmm. a little more, uh, which makes perfect sense because, oh, so much uh, maple syrup comes from Quebec. So I, I mean, I'm fine with the 50-50. There's an, uh, there's an economic side to it sure. when it comes to the filling. The maple syrup is three times the cost of the corn syrup, so right. it's up to you. But the filling is essentially a custard. And okay. so the custard is made from melted butter, eggs, brown sugar and the liquid sugar. The liquid sugar being the syrup. Being the, the choice of corn syrup or maple syrup. You do need a little bit of acidity because that helps keep the sugar liquefied. Okay. Because if you've ever had a butter tart and it's kind of got grains of sugar yeah. at the bottom of it. Yeah, that's that means it was either over whipped so that your eggs souffle as the tart bakes and then the mm. sugar sinks to the bottom. Um, but acidity definitely does help that. So you've got to have, yeah, it's got to be set, but you still have to have the soft center. Right. And then, of course, there's the biggest debate. 
what to put inside of it. Right. I know I will ruffle feathers. I am pro-raisin. <laughs> and there are lots of people who are pro-raisin. I love how they plump up, but some people mm. hate that texture of raisins. Right. My One of my dear friends and is also my recipe tester, she just goes <laughs> nauseous at the thought <laughs> of raisins in her butter tarts. She is a walnut or okay. a pecan fan. Mm -hmm. So... And then I put chocolate chips and I have put cooked bacon. Um, you can get really creative. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I like the salt sweet combo. Yeah. So you've got some, you know, you, you can bend the rules a little bit. Sure. Yeah. It's funny about the, uh, the cooked raisins thing. I am a big fan of cooked raisins and things. Yeah. I know, you know, you people, do. people rail against raisins and cookies, but like, I think the only, the only time I'm upset if there's a raisin in a cookie is if I thought it was a chocolate chip. But if someone presents it to me as a raisin <laughs> cookie, I'm like, all right, cool, I'm all in. Um, but I love them in like savory dishes too. Like I'll usually throw, oh, yeah. throw some raisins into like a curry if I'm making one to like kind of, it gives you that kind of sweet note, but it's not too sweet, you know? I, I think that's it great. It doesn't overwhelm. Yeah. yeah. And the original butter tart had currants. Okay, Which sweet. would have been smaller and yeah. sometimes they have the seeds in it. So... Mm -hmm. I, I prefer the raisins. I, yeah. I'm down for the raisins. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. I do have actually something that I like to do. If I'm bringing or serving butter tarts for a crowd, mm -hmm. meaning a dozen, two dozen or more, sure. Uh, I, I set up a little butter tart buffet. Yeah. So what I do is I make plain butter tarts, so no fillings, mm -hmm. but then I'll bring the little dish of the cooked bacon, a little dish of the chocolate chips, little dish of, and then I'll soak the raisins in whiskey or something. Sure. Um, toasted pecans and walnuts and then that way people can dress their own and uh, you, you know you put a little caramel sauce on top so it sticks yeah and what I have found is people inevitably will put everything on yeah. it it's different <laughs> when it's on the outside <laughs> I love that I, I think that's so smart because like I think with anything where it can be really divisive, it makes sense to have it as sort of like a bar style where like, mm -hmm. you know, like a Sunday bar, like not everyone's going to want every kind of topping, you know, and that makes a lot of and sense. No judgments. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's personal. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> those, uh, those butter tarts looked incredible. I, uh, can you send me a picture of, of this batch that I could post I to sure the Instagram? Can. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. My um, pleasure. Cause I want my listeners to see those. I, uh, they, those are nice. I love the, the way that the fold catches the sugar and, caramelizes it like you said is is so neat i think that's a really cool that must add like a little crunch texture to it as well it does so and then nice. sometimes you get the sugar that kind of boils out of the cup right. and then drips down the side oh. and it's it's a bit of a frenemy as sure. in, in the butter butter tart world because it does caramelize on the outside so it adds a great candy crunch it also makes the butter tart stick to the tin oh so sure. what i find is the key is after you pulled your butter tarts out from the oven let them cool about 10 minutes mm. and then what i do is i twist I rotate each butter tart in the tin. Mm. So while the sugar is still fluid and soft, you loosen it from the tin, give right. it a good spin, then you let them cool completely, and then they pop out easier. Because if you don't uh, do yeah. that after the 10 minutes, they'll they'll glue in there, and then you'll end up, you'll pull your butter tart out, and half the filling's leaking in the bottom. And mind you, that's the one, you know, that's chef's privilege. That's, But you don't want it to happen to more than one. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You don't want to uh, lose half your, what am I trying to say? You know what I'm trying to say. I, I do. I yeah, all that effort. And <laughs> and now you're sitting in front of the TV with six butter tarts watching Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, look, you know, sounds like a pretty good time. Fine. But yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, I'm not going to keep you too much longer because we are getting close to the end of the time. Before I let you go, do you have any final words of wisdom for people listening who want to get into baking uh, and or any stuff that you want people to check out, websites, social media, that kind of thing? Well, I'm I'm here to guide you through the process. I have a number of cookbooks. Uh, my latest is called Baking Day, and that was inspired by people I would talk to, like yourself, um, who would spend time on the weekends, whether with family members, it could be mother, daughters, grandparents, and kids, um, picking recipes and baking them. So that is my latest cookbook. And so everything from simple to elaborate, depending how much a baking day can be an hour, it can sure. also be a day and a half if you want it to be. Right. And I also guide you through lots of baking through my YouTube channel. Oh Yum, it's called. And there are regular videos launching and I do live streams okay. on a regular basis. So if you follow the channel, then you can find out when the next live stream is coming up. And it's a great way because I, I field the questions while they're coming in. Amazing. I will make sure to include links to both of those in the description of this episode for ease of access so that people can check it out. That's very cool. I, uh, we've been talking, my partner and I, about, you know, as the kids get older, we want to kind of get them in the kitchen a little bit more, get them involved, helping out with like meal prep and baking and stuff. And uh, I think the idea of having a baking day during the week is probably... Uh, that's probably going to be the winner, I think, because it's it's a lot easier to convince the kids to help out in the kitchen when they know they're going to get something sweet as a reward. Yeah. And, and starting with something simple, even though pancakes, I don't know that you call them baking, the breakfast foods mm -hmm. sort of are the gateway right. to baking. <laughs> so you get into the pancakes and the waffles and some egg dishes, and all of a sudden then with those same ingredients, you're turning on the oven. Oh, and of you, course. Yeah. It's so easy to, to transition. I, love I that. like that. I call it the gateway baking, like it's a drug. <laughs> That's amazing. That book's already out? It is, yes. Perfect. It came out just this fall. Okay, cool. Sweet. So I'm going to uh, probably have to order a copy of that myself because uh, that sounds right up my alley right now. Well, amazing. Anna, thank you so much. This was an absolute pleasure. And uh, I hope that you know people listening have gotten a bit of... Uh, hope out of it like I did because I think <laughs> I'm feeling less daunted by all of this now at least so if the rest of you aren't well you know <laughs> let me be selfish well I'm going to have to follow you on social media so I can <laughs> see if you're putting it to work <laughs> hold me accountable a pleasure, Tom. <laughs> thanks again take care cheers that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod and make it happen. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who feels intimidated by the prospect of baking, maybe a friend who really liked Junior Chef Showdown, or maybe just a friend who, I don't know, likes podcasts about food and is always looking for new ones. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode, along with links to everything that Anna wants you to check out. Last but not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalat, and I as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at UpfordNetwork.com. See you next week. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time.
October Jones, Hi, and this I'm is- I'm Fish With Legs. I'm a fish hey, with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish With Legs, starring me and my best friend, <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish With Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish With Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- for adults and kids. <laughs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. Bye! Hi, I'm Anthony Giorgio, host and producer of Queer Teen Podcast. Queer Teen Podcast encourages the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Listen, learn, and love as you get to know the next queer youth leaders of the world. Queer Teen Podcast celebrates, elevates, and narrates how the LGBTQ plus community uses our voices to tell our stories. You can find Queer Teen Podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else to get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe today. And don't forget to listen, learn, and love.